Hi, everybody, and welcome officially to season three of Inside Insights, a podcast powered by Zappi. Uh, my name is Ryan. You might know me if you've listened to the show before, and you might also know my co-host and dear friend, Patricia Montestioca. Hi, Patricia. Hey, Ryan. How you doing? You know, let's let's share with our audience how we're actually doing. So we have something very good and something not so good that we'll share. I was just on a walk with my colleague, uh, Babita Earl, great human being, and I stepped in a wasp nest. So about seven minutes before this podcast, got stung by a bunch of wasps. That sucked, but I'll be fine. Patricia has even more exciting news. Patricia, what's showing up at your house at six o'clock tonight? In six hours and two minutes, but who's counting? Not you, oh. clearly. Not me at all. <laughs> a little creature named Orso is going to show up in our lives. He is a toy Australian shepherd that I have adopted as my new love. I oh. am so excited. I can hardly count. And I'm so excited for you that the back of my leg throbbing subsided for just a moment, just a brief moment. Oh, next week you get to meet him. And, well, and for our next, for episode two of season three, we can maybe have another co-host, you know, we'll have a, we'll have a, a tripod effect. That'll be really quite good. Oh. Yeah. So season three, here we are. We, uh, we're going to bring the heat again, as ever. If you've listened to season one and two, you know we are here to teach you something, to share what your peers are working on, and to give you something tangible you can take back to work. So we've got a whole new group of people that we're interviewing from across the industry, working in different, uh, different facets. Um, today, we're going to talk about something near and dear to me into Patricia and to many people within our organization, a topic we take very seriously at Zappi, not just from the way we recruit our, our talent, but also the way we think about the data that we collect and, and the business that we're building. And that topic is diversity, inclusion, and equity, and belonging of people. And today our guest is Paula Tripps, a woman who I've known for many years. Um, she heads up menu innovation and exploratory insights at McDonald's, small little company, you might've heard of them. And Paula is doing some incredible work to change very pragmatically, mind you, how things are done at McDonald's, how their partner network works. And I think she's making an incredible difference, not just in the work that they do. And as a result, what 80% of Americans eat once a month, but also um, she's leading across the industry. She's involved in a bunch of groups. She's speaking publicly and, she, and she's holding people accountable in a, in a, in a very thoughtful, non-condemning way. Um, and so uh, I was really pleased when Paula agreed to chat with us. Um, and honestly, Patricia, as much as you and I are great, I think we should just get right into the conversation with Paula because I am very confident it's going to be incredible. Go for it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like you to meet Paula Tripp. Hi, Paula. Hi, Ryan. How are you doing? I'm good. So, Paula, you have a cool job title. I'm going to say it. You tell me if I say it wrong. You are the head of foundational and menu insights at McDonald's, just a small company in Chicago. Not many people have heard of. Yeah. Um, before we dive in, we got a big topic today. We're going to tackle representativeness, diversity, and inclusion in the work we do in this industry. And it's a heavy topic, but I want to get people grounded in you a little bit before we started. So you've been in this role, I think about a year. Am I right? I have been. Yes, that's that's exactly right. It's a brand new role at McDonald's. We kicked it off really because we recognized that we needed to have more of a long-term strategic view of our consumer. And with all of the work that is going on at McDonald's from launching brand new menu items to 
bringing on our loyalty program to introducing the world to the Sweetie Meal and the Travis Scott Meal and BTS. With all of those things that are happening kind of in the immediate, we recognize the need to have somebody kind of taking a step back and saying, what's that long-term vision for McDonald's and where, where does the consumer stand right now that we can really capitalize on so that we are prepared for the future, right? We can't just focus on what's happening right now. We have to have a long-term point of view. And that's how McDonald's has been so successful for 65 years um, and, and how I've been successful in my role at McDonald's for 16 years is really looking at the, at the long-term. 16 so years. doing this role. Wow. That's an, you know what? That's an incredible achievement in today's environment where people jump every two years, 16 years. So that's what, four CEOs at least? Yeah, I think I think you may have that right. <laughs> just about right. I think it was three during my time frame. Four. All right. So I'll just tell everybody, I'm I'm a McDonald's fanboy for a variety of reasons. Uh, they are one of my bigger customers. So I will just put that on the table. But one of the things that always impresses me about McDonald's is the way they treat people inside and outside their walls. Um, I've never felt like a vendor in your walls. And uh, that means a lot. I had no idea you had been at McDonald's for 16 years, but that's impressive. Yeah. And were you in an insights role before that? I was. Before McDonald's, I was actually at Unilever. So with Unilever, I was part of the launch of the Dove hair care as well as Dove deodorant, um, as well as I don't know if you guys have heard of a little brand called Axe. So those are a few of the uh, highlights of my career, you know, starting out. And I started out in research because I really had a desire to better understand the consumer, better understand people and why they make the decisions that they make. And so- Did you on the, uh, the beauty campaign that Dove put out? I did, the campaign for real beauty. That's the campaign. And you know what? We're gonna get into inclusion, belonging, representativeness. I mean, that mm -hmm. campaign should have been happening 50 years earlier, but I mean, it was ahead of its time and in, in, in the sense of what big companies were marketing at that time. Definitely. And what, what I'm proud of with Unilever is that Unilever continues to be at the forefront in terms of diversity and inclusion. So with the support of the Crown Act, that I don't know if, if, the, if your listeners are familiar, but the Crown Act is... A, um, is legislation that makes it illegal to discriminate against people because of their hairstyle. And so I think it's in maybe 13 or so states where it's illegal to discriminate against someone and say, you know what, I'm not gonna hire you because you're wearing braids or you know, telling you how to wear your hair when as long as it's clean, it's, it's fine. And so that is, um, that's something I'm really proud of. And I'm, I'm excited because McDonald's is actually also working to be on the forefront in terms of how we view diversity and inclusion in everything that we do. So really exciting times. It is, it, I, I just, a, a quick sidebar, because the Crown Act is, should, it should never have to be a thing, but obviously it's needed. Yet we just ended, we're recording this episode in late August but we just ended in Olympic games where a woman wasn't able to wear a swim cap 
that fit her hair appropriately. I mean, like give yeah. me an absolute break. I mean, it was, it was horrific um, to, to see that, that, that the Olympics has that stance on something. I, I, I think what the last, you know, 18 months, you know, as, as we've been within this pandemic, it's really opened our eyes to a lot of the inequalities that yes. are happening within, within the world and things that some of us may have felt were gone and were things of the past and this type of discrimination, it's not gone, it's just changed. We, as, as citizens, both as corporate citizens and, and within our personal lives, we need to be very intentional, I would say, yeah. to make sure that we are anti-racist and that we do um, learn how to listen and understand people um, better than we have been doing in the past, right? I, I hear a lot of people saying we did our best and I'm like, if this is our best, our best isn't good enough, we need to do better. Yeah, that's right. You know, and I think it takes people going out of their comfort zone and actually seeing the world from somebody else's vantage point. Um, you know, the specific invent, the inflection point was, was the whole George Floyd thing. And I remember making a bunch of phone calls to friends of mine and mm-hmm. I thought I was smart before those phone calls. Um, I wasn't, I didn't know shit about this topic. And I think that the acknowledgement of knowing what you don't know and being okay and being vulnerable is something that I think a lot of people are still struggling with, but imagine if you actually had to be uncomfortable all day, every day, people. I was saying, and a lot of us do. And as a black woman, um, after the George Floyd thing, I did some soul searching as well and had conversations with people. I don't generally have conversations with about things. I don't generally have conversations about. And so um, within my role at McDonald's, I am the only person of color within Consumer Insights. Um, We are hiring, so hoping to change that. Yeah, Um, we're hiring people. Great company. (laughs) We're hiring. Great company. Have you ever heard of McDonald's? Um, But we, we really need to make sure that we are having those, those tough conversations. Yeah. And, and I, I appreciate having been able to, you know, have a conversation like one I had never had before with a gay white male who I hadn't, you know, really kind of understood his perspective before and really understanding, you know, how this corporate environment and, and how the political climate is impacting different people. And I think that's one of the most important changes that I've seen that I'm really encouraged by is people listening to each other. Yes. That we got listen- we have to listen to each other. Yes, it's so true. I mean, it, it's, it, and you know what? All the societal tension and the pandemic have, have forced us to finally open our eyes and be vulnerable with each other from just little things like, you know, a year ago, you're looking inside someone's living room when you're on a conference call. So their armor is like all of a sudden gone, you know? Um, All right. So we, we are going to dive into this topic here. I was on a, I was on a business call with Paula a few months ago and I left the call so fired up. I texted the folks on the podcast and was like, we've got to have Paula on. You are, uh, you are outspoken in trying to solve real problems that impact the way McDonald's makes business decisions. So let's start with the problem. In your own words, what is the problem in this industry around the representativeness and inclusivity of the work we do? We can talk about the people occupying the companies 
But let's start with the work, the work that we all do that makes multi-billion dollar decisions every day. Oh gosh, let's start with the work. The, the challenge with the work we do, and so this is talking about consumer insights and research and understanding um, people in order to make business decisions. Yeah. And nuts and bolts of it is, when we go out to understand people, we have a sampling scheme where we say, I want a sample that is representative to the United States of America. And what we have found is frequently our research partners, they are frequently balancing their sample to be representative on age and gender. And sometimes with as fast as we are moving on the um, client side, sometimes it gets missed that these samples are not balanced on ethnicity. And so when we have an unbalanced sample on ethnicity, if we don't try, if we don't work to make sure that we have Hispanic, Asian, African-American within the sample, we will tend to get a sample that is more Caucasian than what we would expect from something that is supposed to be balanced to the U.S. Census. And so there have been times where I've gone back and said, let's ask what the ethnicity breakout was after the fact. And we see that it is 70, 80 or more percent Caucasian. And, and that is not balanced to our country. And so that means that the learning that we're getting, instead of it being representative of all consumers, that means that it is, um, it's skewed to be more, oh, you're finding out what white America thinks and what white America wants. And then you end up providing a, um, a service or products and, and that influences what your, your end uh, result is. So that's, that's just one part of it in terms of being appropriately representative. And so McDonald's has decided line in the sand, we are going to change this. We are not going to, we're not going to just let that happen. We are going to make sure that for everything, all the research we do, we make sure that it is representative on age, um, ethnicity, as well as gender. So all three of those things are important. And you know, income, ge geographic, those are important as well. And a lot of times it was, it's more expensive and it's more time consuming, the more things that you are um, bringing into the fold in terms of how you want things to be representative. The second thing that's really, really important though that we found is if I am balanced to the US census, then I still have a smaller proportion of African-American, Hispanic, and Asians so that I'm, then I'm challenged and unable to actually see what do African-Americans think specifically as their own group? What do Hispanics think? What do Asians think versus the white consumer? And then my challenge is, I wanna understand all my children. And yeah, so yeah. 
especially in your business where the whole, I mean, what, 80% of the country walks through those doors? On a, exactly, on exactly. Yeah, um, we've, we've started doing a lot of research where we say, you know what, when you average them all together, you don't really get the full story. And so you need to be able to look at each group individually so that you can understand and make a decision. That does not mean that I'm going to always make my decision one way or the other, but I should at least respect the differences enough that I know what they are, right? So if you have four kids and you know that your oldest kid's favorite color is pink, but you have no idea what your other three kids like, that's a problem. Yes. And so you can't just, oh, you know what? We're all going to wear pink today. Let's, so let's, let's understand. And we still might say we're all wearing pink today because it's October and we are, you know, honoring those who um, have, you know, dealt with breast cancer. We can decide that that's what we're going to do. But I want to at least have the understanding. Yeah, that's true. And so that that's my goal. That's the the big change that we're um, committing to making at McDonald's is we are going to do an even better job of understanding all of our consumer groups. I'm really proud of McDonald's. We do care about and focus on and invest in all of our um, communities. And and we make sure that we are supporting all of the communities. But as we're developing our strategies, we just want to make sure that we are doing the due diligence around understanding everyone and and really respecting the similarities and the differences. Um, It makes a ton of sense. Mm -hmm. I I believe we're, we're entering into a time where it's more niche than mass. And so... You're integrating into subsets of communities, even if you're McDonald's, because with your production scale, I imagine you can get a big campaign out the door that is only targeted to a specific subset. And that's still lucrative enough. Um, Funny story. I didn't know who Travis Scott was until y'all advertised. And now I'm a Travis Scott fan. But I I love I feel like but no, but I think like that subset point. I mean, I don't know if you feel it. I want to be marketed to in my terms, in my community about things that are relevant to me. I don't want to be 1980s mass marketed any longer. Exactly. And we have the ability now to personalize our messages to people. And so and so we can do that. But the other thing that you said that I think is really important is we are more alike than we're different. And so we're all interested in understanding other people and other groups. And so I would say so many of us are saying, hey, this sweetie meal, who's sweetie? What's BTS? Like, it's okay. It's opening our eyes to something new that we wouldn't have thought of before. And and that's what McDonald's should do. Um, It should have that that uniting capability as a brand. It goes back to what I was saying before. We need to just work a little harder to understand each other yeah. and to listen to each other. If if the best isn't right, then let's fix it. Yeah. And we can fix it. We can fix it. And you know what? Where it actually starts with in this industry, in this topic, it's the buyers of research saying we're done. In my mm-hmm. humble opinion, you know, and we and I want to I want to get your perspective on why, but this is, a, this is a holistic supply chain problem. If we rely on people 
to provide us with their thoughts to help us make better decisions. We need the right people to provide us with their thoughts. It's pretty yes. simple. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's share hypotheses. Why do you think your current state when you started really looking into this six, seven months ago was rep equals age and gender across the industry? Why, why do you think that was the case? Do you have, do you have a view? I do have a view and it goes back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier in terms of having people in positions to say that we need to do things differently. And so, as you said, it's up to the research buyers. And so it's up to me and my team. And I would say that for the 16 years that I've been at McDonald's, I've always, (laughs) I've always pushed. And when I have partners, research partners who say they can't, I say, figure it out, figure out how you can do it. And they'll say, it'll take longer. And I say, how much longer? And sometimes people hear it'll take longer and they're like, oh, well, if it's going to take longer, then never mind. I try. But my thing is how much longer? Why is it going to take longer? Can can we shorten that amount of time? Okay, you're saying it has to take an extra week, an extra four days. We'll, We'll tack on an extra four days to our timeline because, and I don't know if you heard this one from me, and if there are researchers listening in, I can do research really quick by asking my son, my son and my husband what they think, but we don't do research that way. Right. <laughs> sample size of two is fast. Fast, two, two convenient sample is super fast. Just by ask your grandmother and you hear of, you know, mother-in-law research. Um, but as research professionals, that's not how we do things because we want to do things the right way so that they are projectable and repeatable. And what we found is if you are talking to the wrong sample of people, then you, this is a business thing, then you're more likely to make the wrong decision. That's right. And so we want to make sure that we are providing the information so that we're making the the correct decisions because you have to talk to the right people to make the right decisions. And with the right base size, right? Like, and I want to get into this in a minute with you, because I think you're right. I mean, having 15 Hispanics in a sample frame is not going to allow you to project what the Hispanic population is going to do when there's three different degrees of acculturation. And I mean, mean, what are you going to do with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my, my hypothesis is it starts with the corporate community. And I remember going to, uh, a failed industry attempt, big CPG, big MR companies, sample companies, and token zapping. This is about four years ago, right? And it's supposed to be the day to discuss sampling quality in the industry. Everybody's vocabulary is different. The, the brands in the room, big CPG. Hey, you got this, right, vendor? Okay, great. I don't, thanks. I'm just going to go back to my email. Sampling company, even though they all buy and sell with each other, you know what? These are our trade secrets. Right. So everybody's got their guards closed. Meanwhile, over the last 10 years, and I'm, I'm guilty, we've driven the price of research down because of technology. You know, technology is going to enable things to be faster and cheaper just because you make people repurpose to do more high value tasks. But we've raced to the bottom on the cost per interview to the point where the bottoms, the bottom has dropped out. There's, there's not enough people to go through to actually go and recruit on Univision or in African-American communities or where it you actually need to go out of your way to over recruit, to get the right people in the frame. And so 
there's a few very brave corporate insights leaders, you're one of them, that are starting to mandate this stuff. And I'm fundamentally of the view, it won't change until that's like a, that's a table stake line item on everybody's RFPs. All right, so we aren't just here to complain. You are making moves. To the extent you can share, what are some of the specific things you're doing to audit, evaluate, and optimize the way you do work so that at least within your walls, you're making sure the right frames are in there and the right decisions are getting made? So I, I would say we're doing three key things. The first is we are making sure to look at within all of the work that we do, we actually have said we are going to call out what is happening with the multicultural consumers. So what is happening? What do we see in our research results with African-American, Hispanic, and Asian consumers? If you don't have the sample, then you can't do that. And so now we're making sure that that is an expectation that all of our research reports will actually call that out. And so that's, you know, that I would say is really, really big to make sure that we are making the changes that, that we talk about. The second thing in order to do that, that we're doing is we are adjusting our budgets. We are putting our money where our mouth is in terms of understanding this is how much more it's going to cost to do the research this different way. And so we are, you know, we are actually making those adjustments in terms of our budgets and our timelines. And then the third is things like this that we're, that I'm doing right now is we're talking about it and we are partnering with um, whomever we can partner with, whether it is CPGs, you know, it's we're partnering with Pepsi and, you know, we're partnering with Coke. So it's, it's interesting that we're partnering with both of them, but we're, we're partnering with lots of our companies that are doing research as well as partnering with, you know, the Zappies of the world and our, our research partners to make sure that we are really staying at the top of our game for understanding how we can do things differently. Um, we do view this as something that should be shared and it shouldn't be something that's just kind of, oh, this is my unique selling proposition. No. We need everybody to do this. This needs to be table stakes um, across the board. Yeah, it, it, it really does. So budget's going up. Yeah. And, and everything you just said is impressive. How did you go about that conversation? You got, I mean, for those of you who work in an insights department, you know why I'm asking. Budget's coming from everywhere. Insights has a bit of money. Marketing has a bit of money. R&D mm -hmm. has a bit of money. So Take me, take me through kind of what, was it a hard thing to sell in and what were some of the, some tips if somebody was trying to have that conversation? It's, it's definitely hard. Um, I'm sure people will not be surprised, but our actual in budget doesn't really go up from year to year, more likely to go down, you know, how can you save money this year? But what we're saying is that this is important. And so if that means that we have to do one or two fewer projects, then we'll do one or two fewer projects in order to make sure to be able to um, absorb that increase in the cost per interview. And so that's, that's really how we're doing it. And we're saying we are going to prioritize differently. And then also really thinking about 
how to how to be creative to get the learnings um, that we need. And so that's where it is, you know, working with all of our um, research vendors to say, what what do we do different? Where where is there some leeway to um, to make some changes? Does it mean instead of a 10 minute interview, we figure out how to do a five minute interview? And then you can displace the costs. Yeah, I think in our case, we ended up rebasing a budget, uh, a norm database, didn't we? And, and that'll, that's, I think that's rolling out in a few days, which is, mm-hmm. which is useful. So the second thing is specific call outs and the results. I'm envisioning a, a really wonderful partner of yours that helps you evaluate menu innovations. So yes. you'll take overall rep score and then click out each of those subcategories or, or subpopulations? Yes. So yeah. composite and- scores, PI, all the main metrics. Yes. And really making sure that we're placing more emphasis on the individual on each of the segments than we have been in the past. So that it's not just this kind of rep average, Um, because we know what happens when we look at averages, everything, you know, you lose things in the wash. It's totally true. I mean, it's you, uh, everybody listen to my podcast. That's my three-year-old son, Cal. He just woke up from a, a nap. He's not happy, um, but he just needs a bit of sugar in his life. You know, that's okay. all. Somebody will give him some. Let, since I'm a geek, you're a geek, base sizes. What's a minimum base size that you're comfortable calling out in that way? <sighs> I am a geek. Um, and so really it depends on where we are, if this is very early stage, then I'm okay with 100 and 100, 100 to 150. And so for you, for the other research geeks, everybody knows, oh my gosh, that's a really, really small base size. And it is. Um, With McDonald's, we're fortunate because we have so much history. And so what I want to do, especially with some of these menus, projects that we're doing is I just want to get a big enough base size that I feel comfortable that I'm able to see some differences. The work that I'm doing with Zappy is not kind of my end game. It's more kind of a little bit earlier on. So I feel comfortable looking at looking at it with those smaller slash not so small base sizes. But I do need it to be at least, you know, big enough that I can start to see some statistical significance, which in, in our industry, I can't see with 30 people. I can't see that with, you know, what I see with 50 people actually ends up not being consistent with what we see when we go into market. And so that's why I feel more comfortable with a hundred or more as my minimum base size. Well, at least um, I had like 500, but that's like, if I was doing something really, like if I was going a little bit deeper and um, trying to cut the data multiple ways. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say, even at a hundred, you can still cut it by a few age groups, age and gender. It's not perfect, but that, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Okay, and then industry partnerships, the third bucket. Third bucket. So uh, you're talking to some of your peers that are also leading brands, major advertisers, cultural savants from a business perspective. You're, you're getting out and spreading the word. I, I, I see you've been involved in some of the newer um, industry uh, bodies that are that are organizing around themselves. What what are some other areas that you're getting yourself and the organization involved in to, to help solve the problem? 
So you know what, we, we are definitely trying to make sure that we are, as you said, having kind of these peer group conversations. Um, I've actually just started working with a brand new, we kicked off with it last week, Black Market Researchers Group called Over Index. It's brand new. Like it, it just got born. It's born on LinkedIn like last week. Um, but really bringing Black researchers together and allies are invited, but bringing us together so that we can really have these sorts of conversations and support each other and find each other. And so when it's time for hiring new people or looking for speakers or looking for thought leadership, that, that there's somewhere to go for that. And so that, that is definitely what I'm doing. I'm on the advisory board for TMRE for their Everything Insights at Home mm-hmm. um, that we just started earlier this year and last year. So definitely trying to make sure that I keep my finger on the pulse and that our whole team here at McDonald's think about new ways of doing things. And, yeah. and I, that's something that I've always appreciated about working at McDonald's is we're very open to doing things better. This is a a huge area where we can do that. And so I'm excited about it. And we've actually kind of put that stake in the ground to say, we want to be cutting edge in terms of inclusive research. And and you already are. I mean, I I can count on one hand how many major brands have reached out. Um, And you and Jamie were the first one, like, let's get around the table and talk. And I I thought just the way you guys approached it was was humble and and open and and, and really quite wonderful. Um, I have, uh, so let's, let's shout out over index. You can find it on LinkedIn. Um, I've just requested to join. I am an ally. Um, We shouldn't have to, you shouldn't have to solve the problem of the world on your own. So it was, it leads me into my last question. How do we get more people from ethnically diverse backgrounds into this industry in the first place. So we can go on a long talk right now, if we want to, about how we need more ethnically diverse people in the C-suite. But let me just tell you, I have a hard enough time getting people out of college to want to join this space. And so my hypothesis is we have to solve it with the people in the space and make sure they have opportunities, but we need to get more people into this space. It's a predominantly white male industry still. Um, I know I sound ridiculous because I am a white male, but I know that it is. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts? Like, I mean, I, I just got an idea by joining that group. Is that a one way for, for this to change? Um, but I'd love to get your thoughts on, on how we solve it systemically in the, in the organizations, whether they're client side or vendor side. What, what, what do we need to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pop to you really quick and ask you to tell me your story. How did you get into this space? How did you get into marketing research? Oh, I love this. You know, you're the, I've had almost 40 episodes. You're the first person who's done this. I love this. Okay. I was in college. I thought I was going to go to an ad agency because I was studying advertising mm-hmm. and I was broke. So I was putting myself through school. Any free thing I could do to pick up experiences, I was doing them. One of my teachers said, I can get you into a market research conference if you design the program. I had InDesign, designed the program. I go and I sit there and went around like a hungry hippo asking everybody for business cards and Um, that's how I got into market research. And I remember leaving that day being like, these people are wonderful. They pay better than entry-level ad agencies do. And I I had like a hundred grand in student loan debt. So I'm not going to New York city to make 20 grand. 
here I am, ended up falling in love with the industry. So that's my answer. I love that answer. I would say that most people I talk to fell into marketing research somehow, somehow, some way. Yep. I am the only person I know who was in seventh grade and did my first market research project, which was which chocolate chip cookie tastes best. That is, a, that is a great science fair project. It gets you lots of friends. And when your mother is a nurse and doesn't really let you eat a lot of sweets, it gets you an excuse to buy chocolate chip cookies. I love that. So, so I started young, but most people don't. And so what I think, this isn't just a, um, this isn't just getting more diverse talent. It's getting more talent, period. Amen to that, Paula. But, it, but it's it's focusing our efforts. Spend some time going into the grammar schools, probably more so the high schools. Like, go into the high schools. Go into the colleges and specifically pick colleges where you will be able to speak to a diverse set of students. And so go to historically Black colleges and universities. Go to you know, schools that are in the cities and really talk to them and get people excited about marketing research. Let them work on projects. Um, as, as you said, your, you know, that was your experience because once people see this job, they'll figure out it's a lot of fun. Like yeah. it's a fun job for people who are smart, who like math, who like English, who like history. It's a it's great. A, it's a good. It's a great career for them. All right, I'm I'm in. So it's funny because I get I'm involved in a master's market research program. It's not the most diverse group, as you could probably imagine. Mm -hmm. No, it's nothing but love for them. But we're trying to we're doing this sponsorship. Now this is more about engineering, but we're gonna do Cape Town, London, Boston. We're gonna sponsor an inner city high school team and teach them how to engineer. And there's opportunities to do that with research too. Um, I know the Insights Association has formed a group. MRS has formed some pledges. So there's a lot of that there. Um, how about this? We'll we'll make a commitment. You and me, two high schools each, independently. We'll go on our own time, but we'll just make this commitment as friends. In the next six months, we're both going to go and give a talk to students when they're, you know, senior year or younger. And let's see if we can make a small impact on the world. Um, I'm in. I, ex I know exactly the high school I'm going to go through, too. It's going to be fun. I'm uh, in. I love the idea. I have not been in a high school since 2019. So this is something that I have done before. You have done this. Okay, good. But um, since it is now you know, post COVID, we'll, we'll, we'll have to get back into those schools. I love the idea and really kind of thinking of ways to blow it out so that it's more than just that one visit. So that's one of the things that kind of gets me is like you get into the high school and they're like, yeah, this is cool. But how do you, like, how do you kind of usher people through the process? So one of the things that I actually was able to do this year, just a couple of weeks ago, is bring somebody into, snuck them into the McDonald's office. I had a um, student at Howard University. She's going into her soft, her junior year and she shadowed me for the day. And she shadowed me on all of my Zoom calls. And we were talking about Generation Z, which was great because she is Gen Z. Right. So, <laughs> Probably the only Gen Z in that room, right? Yeah, so she, she was. 
she got to hear how we are doing research. So sometimes, you know, the talks are good, but I also wonder if you bring people in so that they can see the actual job. And so I'm, I'm a, um, I'm a believer in job, in job shadowing. Internships are great as well, but you know, just kind of that quick, hey, come in and, and shadow me and, and mentor me. Those are probably the things that are important to me. It's more impactful, right? That one-to-one, that day you spent is so impactful to that individual. I, I had a 16-year-old, uh, well, he's now a man, thought he wanted to be a business person. And same thing, he shadowed me for six weeks in the summer. And um, you could just see like he was like a sponge. And it was just a, like, for me, it's not a lot of time. Probably the same for you to take six mm-hmm. minutes and explain something to somebody. Um, all right. So I think we should reframe our competition. We'll go do a talk. We'll, we'll each have an intern that we take for at least a day off the back of this and teach them some things. And if you think of everybody listening to this and each of you do that, we're making a, we're making a difference. Are we saying when we do this intern, let's, I'm make it hard for the listeners. Yeah, let's make it hard for the listeners. It's not your next door neighbor's kid. No, you're going to go out of your way. You got to, you have to find a person of color. All right, I'm in. Are you in? I'm totally in. Person of color, I, not your next door neighbor's kid. Not your next door neighbor's kid. <laughs> All right, I'm in. So what's our deadline? What should we say? End of year? End of year. That gives us four months. All right. If any of you do this, send Paula and I an email, and we will find a way to get you something yummy from McDonald's and help you evaluate something for Zap, uh, on Zappy for free. Um, I love it. All right, Paula, uh, I can't thank you enough. Uh, for this. This conversation was exactly what I was hoping for. We could probably talk for another hour, but I know you're a busy woman and we, uh, we're we out of time, but thank you so much for doing this. Um, follow Paula Tripp. She is on LinkedIn. She is brave. She is bold and she is badass. Um, and I'm really, uh, really thankful that you took the time to talk to me today. Thank you so much for inviting me. This was great. And I am looking forward to what we are going to do together. And when I say we, I mean, not just me, Ryan, the Zappy team. I mean, everybody that's listening. Let's do it. this. Let's do this. Thank you, Paula. Thank you. Holy crap. That was a great interview. I actually thought we were going to run out of time, but we made it at the end. Um, what do you think, Patricia? I mean, I get, I have the pleasure of working with her. I'm customer transformation on this account. And I just enjoy working with her because every single time it's a challenge, but a good challenge as in how do we do things better and how do we investigate and how do, so the nerd, the geek in me is always happy when I, when I work with her and, and this week, this past couple of weeks, I've been working on new data. They've come out with what you're about to hear, what you just heard about how she's doing things new. And, um, I'm just excited at how McDonald's is changing the industry and I'm, I love being part of it. Yeah. I want to hear your takeaways. And I I also want to thank you because I know that some of Paula's ambitions are big, right. And they're forcing us (laughs) to change. Um, And I I genuinely appreciate her, but um, I'm not the one doing the work every day. So thank you. And everybody else on McDonald's team for elevating their game. It's a great team. So what I've done with, with her, her information, because it was so much and, and the passion is so there, I've separated into one of my favorite things, which are the W's. You know how I'm always talking about the who, what, when, where, the very research geeky thing. So that's kind of how I'm going to frame my summary of Paula's passion. So I'm going to talk, start with a simple one. Who are we talking to today? As you said, Paula Tripp, 
head of foundational and menu insights, which is a new role. It's only been there for about a year at McDonald's. And yep. it's important to know is not just who her title is today, but who she is at the essence. She started in research because she had a desire to better understand consumers and why they made the decisions they made. That is a geek at heart. No matter what her title is, that's who she is. Now, what's the topic at hand? representativeness, which is a hard word to say when you're not a Native American speaker, diversity and inclusion in the industry, in the research industry. And let me explain to you what that means in more colloquial words. We go and we say, I want a sample that's representative of the country, right? Sounds like a simple to ask, but our research partners will go and balance the sample to be, to be representative on age and gender usually. But sometimes, if not many times, these samples are not balanced on ethnicity yet. So sometimes we have up to 70 or 80% Caucasian, which is not balanced to the USA. So that's what the situation is. That's the topic at hand, that we don't have a balanced Hispanic, Asian, African-American sample. And if we continue that way, we're only going to have products and services that are developed for Caucasians. And I don't think we want that. I think we want products for everybody. So next one, next up. Not only do I want that, it's actually non-negotiable for businesses because it's, it's just a massive part of the market. But, you know, it's, it's too important to ignore. Exactly. So what's the larger goal? Which is the larger goal? McDonald's is commit and, and Paula personally is committing to doing a better job at understanding all consumer groups. And they're putting their money where their mouth is. They're, they, right now, they, of course, support every single community they work in, but they're going to take it a step further. And they're going to make sure to do the due diligence with, with partners like us, right, to respect the similarities, to understand and respect the similarities between the groups. Now, another amazing W. Why is this even important? It's not just about having more products in our portfolio. No, it's not about that. It's about, you know, not stopping it. At, this is the best we can do. The work that research teams do today help make multi-billion dollar decisions every single day. So she's not talking McDonald's. She's talking about the research industry. Research talks to consumers every day, all day. And we're trying to understand them well enough to make the right business decisions. McDonald's wants to do this for them, and they want the industry to do it for everybody. They feel that they shouldn't rely on this is the best we can do, but they want to say, if the best isn't good enough, let's make it better. If it's not right, let's fix it. And they can fix it. I mean, if McDonald's can't fix it, who can't, right? They have a uniting, they can and should have that uniting capability as a brand. It's an amazing brand, right? So another W, which isn't really a W because it's an H, how will this yeah. all start? It's a W at the end, and let's fudge a little bit. Let's start looking inward. Let's look at inward as people and look inward as corporate citizens within our, within our lives. We have to make sure to be anti-racist and to learn to listen, to understand people better than we have in the past. Getting, of course, out of our comfort zone, seeing somebody else's you know, point of view is important and acknowledging that we're learning and listening to each other. Um, the pandemic, you said something really cool, was the pandemic has shown us you know, the inside of people's living rooms. And so this is making the armor to start loosening. And we have to continue jiggling that armor so that it falls off for all of us. Another W, when is this happening? Now, today, tomorrow, from now on, forever. Every single time we have to just keep getting better and better. This is not just about what's happening now. This is just the beginning, right? The last 18 months, yes, opened our eyes to the inequalities, but we have to, we have to just keep going forward and make, us, make everybody see the need to have a strategic and permanent point of view on the consumers so that we don't know what's the long-term vision for McDonald's for the consumer and how do we prepare for that long-term vision? Now, what is McDonald's doing? Remember I said a couple of you know, paragraphs ago, a couple of W's ago, that McDonald's is putting their money where their mouth is? 
Well, they sure are. They're going to do two things as a company that are huge. Number one, they're making sure that every single piece of research they do is going to be balanced and representative to the country on age and gender and ethnicity. So they're not just going to stop at two out of three. They're going all the way. You know how hard that is? It is, but it's so worth it. It's going to be more expensive and more time consuming and better. I was going to say more better, but because it sounded cool in the sentence, but I know that's not grammatically correct. Now okay, it's a podcast, you know, Katie's <laughs> not here to edit it. Although much love to her. She edits a lot of beautiful things. <laughs> Thank God she edits my thing. So the second thing that they're doing, which is amazing. So that's called the first one is all about rebalancing what is what is what is representative for the for the market, right? The second thing is, yes, sure, we're looking at the whole gestalt of it all, but but or actually in this case it's and they also want to look at the ethnic groups separately. They want to take white, African American, Hispanic, and Asians and look at them individually as well. So they have the whole US market, but they also will have each one of these four groups separately so they can analyze them individually and then with all of these groups together make informed decisions that respect the differences. That's amazing. Now the blockers, of course, yeah, getting more accurate representation takes longer and costs more. That's not a surprise to everybody. That's been the blocker from forever. But in general, actually you said this, it's a holistic supply chain problem. It has to start with a corporate community and it won't change until being representative is table stakes in everybody's RFPs. So we want to do things, we want to do things the right way. We want to do things in a way that's projectable and repeatable, Paula said. If you're talking to the wrong, at the end of the day, if you're talking to the wrong people, you're going to make the wrong decision. So, I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer, except for that it, it takes longer and costs more. How are they removing these? They're doing three things. They're actually making an expectation of every single research report to call out what's happening in their multicultural. So partner A, B, C, D, or F comes to them to, re to present results. Tell me about the multicultural consumer. So they're going to make that an expectation going forward every single time. It's going to make it be muscle memory at the end of the day. Number two, they're just going to adjust their budgets and timelines. Now, this is not easy to even write, right? It's a, they're going to prioritize differently. They're going to make sure they're doing the right research when the one that matters the most, because they're going to adjust their budget. They're going to make a larger sample. They're going to look at things in a different way. And they're going to look for new ways to do things, right? And the third thing that she's doing is exactly what she just did with us. She's talking about it and talking about it and sharing because they don't want this to be a unique selling proposition for McDonald's. They want everybody to do this so that it becomes, as I said earlier, table stakes across the board. She's, as you said, belonging to various you know, um, organizations and she talked about over-index and she talked about being on the advisory board for TMRE, everything insights at home. She does all that and so much more. So we go back to what she said earlier, Make a difference individually and make a difference in your corporation so that everybody makes a difference. Now, you two got really excited. And I know for a fact, <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> I don't know if the rest of you on, on the line or listening to this whenever realized that that was not scripted when they challenged each other. I love that you just challenged each other. So tell us a little bit again about the challenge that you made. So first off, I think you have a great reflection on the interview. And while I love a lot of what Paula said. The thing that inspires me most is her action orientation. Yes, a lot of people yes. talk. Yeah. Talking is easy. Ideas are free. Doing things is actually what changes the world. And that brings me to this, this idea. So um, I think you know this about me, Patricia, but I, I, believe that, I believe this time that we're in now starts the big, heavy inertia of change in the world. 
we have deep-rooted societal issues that have been embedded for years and years and years, centuries even, and you're not going to change that overnight. That's not a reason not to start to change, which is why I'm inspired by some, some tactical things that Paul is doing. So I'm, I'm firmly of the opinion that, you know, talk is cheap, action is, is placed at a premium, but, but ultimately, I think it's the kids, the, the people in schools today that are going to, that are going to inherit the world our generation is simply moving the ball forward. And so I'm extremely passionate about helping kids um, I, I, for a variety of reasons, educating them on what life actually means. I mean, I got out of school, high school at 17, had no idea how to manage a book, didn't know what I was going to be when I was going to grow up, had no guidance other than for my mother and father. And I think a lot of kids do that. And so increasingly, I'm wanting to spend my philanthropic time uh, with the youth. And so the idea that we had was to go into uh, an, an underrepresented district, give a talk, but not just give a talk, identify a person who you could help and tuck them under your wing. That could be a, a day in the office of shadowing, which I know I've done with your son when he was a 16 year old boy, he shadowed me for three, uh, for three weeks, um, an internship, a job placement, what have you, or simply just to be there to mentor them. And our challenge is if everybody does that once, Everybody who listens to this podcast does that once and tells a friend, they tell a friend that compounds. And now all of a sudden, hundreds, if not thousands of, of people who otherwise wouldn't have had the opportunity to explore business, mentorship from an executive, what consumer insights actually means would, would actually have that. And that also directs one of the challenges I see, which is our funnel doesn't have enough people in it to actually do diversity in the people that we recruit. And that was one of my dilemmas. And I, again, think it's solved with, with kids. Um, so our challenge, to state it again, go into that school, ask the principal or the administration if you can give a talk to the class about the consumer insights industry, offer one student an opportunity to shadow your work for as little as one afternoon. That's all you need to do. You'll make a huge impact. Once you do it, email Paula Tripp and I and Patricia, and we want to know about it. Um, and we will be sharing our journey with you. I'm actually in October, going into an inner city school in Worcester, Massachusetts. And I'm very excited about that. I've already set it up. So I'm going to add to what you just said. I, I, my, my thing is internship programs, and I try to make them very balanced. Um, and and I've, I've had the pleasure of watching the people that I've interned or who have worked with me grow. And it's just, it's just a large sense of pride. So before you actually do it, if you need guidance, if you need help, if you need us to help you decide what school you're going to you're go or help you um, figure out how to start the conversation at the school, please reach out to us, Ryan or Paula or myself on LinkedIn or via email. You know all of our information. We're out there. We're totally open, open book. So look for us. Now, what are you going to get from this? Well, you're going to help the industry. You're going to learn so much yourself. You're guiding a future leader. And this can be, I mean, yes great high school, but this could be elementary school. This could be, it could be college. It could be master's program, whoever you think you have close by that, that meets these needs. And you're going to enjoy something yummy from McDonald's that Paula has promised. And you're going to be able to evaluate something on Zappy for free that Ryan promised. So I will, I will hold both of those to their, their commitments and we will help you in whatever part of your journey that you need for this, for this challenge that we've thrown out. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. I love, that was also the first time I've ever done that on the fly. Super fun. Um, well, as you know, I do a lot of things on the fly, but a competition on a podcast, that was pretty fun. Um, so we brought the heat episode one, season three. The next episode was meant to be with a customer. I have this habit of hiring customers, Patricia, as you know. know. Uh, Lindsay Gladden will make the seventh customer of ours that we've hired. The well, I, I went and looked at the census, the seventh customer of ours that we've hired. 
And uh, Lindsay is uh, is awesome. I've known her for a very long time. And the truth is, I got to know Lindsay Gladden, not necessarily from her work with Zappy, but from sharing ideas about culture and leadership on LinkedIn. And Lindsay was running the Dr. Pepper brands insights at Keurig Dr. Pepper. And um, also prior to that, helped PepsiCo stand up their shopper insights function. Anyway, we're going to talk to Lindsay about where she sees shopper insights going in a world that is increasingly omni-channel to use a buzzword and how she's going to tackle that using our platform. This is not going to be about Zappy, but it's going to be her view of the world. And I'm really excited for that interview. We've got some heavy hitters coming up after that from Verizon and many other businesses across the industry. So uh, please subscribe, tell your friends. And if there's anybody you want us to interview, just get at us inside insights at zappystore.com, or you can find either Patricia or myself. Thanks everybody. Have a good one. Ciao.